Okay. All right. Well, I hope you've been enjoying uh, this series. As we've been working through our vision theme for the year, which is discipleship, uh, we're now into week, I don't even know how many, I should have worked that out before I got up here, uh, but I think it's probably about week seven or eight of this series. We've got a few weeks to go, and we've got some awesome messages planned for the rest of this year, which will really drill into this idea of discipleship. And we've been looking at what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? And we've seen right from the start that the first step for us in our discipleship journey is a desire to grow in faith, to grow in our understanding of who God is and what he has called us to do. And so we've been looking through the path journal. There are some out the front on the table. If you haven't got one, I'd encourage you to grab one. It's got more information in the front. It's got QR codes, all kinds of stuff. And I'd encourage you to not let the busyness of this year detract you from really growing in faith. Let's really commit 2022 to pursuing Christ. We're up to um, the T of this um, acronym, this PATH acronym. And the T is transformed by God's word. And so we get into part one of transformed by God's word this Sunday. And it says this, if you're in your path guides, it, it describes the T as this. God has revealed himself through his word. And that story is not just something we know. It is something that transforms us. As we read, study and meditate on scripture, our lives become more and more centered on Jesus. You see, there's this saying, uh, the Jews had, had this saying, and it was that a disciple should be covered in the dust of the rabbi. A disciple should be covered in the dust of the rabbi. You might know that at that time, uh, there were no kind of bitumen or paved roads. They were dirt roads and they would walk in sandals. And if you've ever walked on a dirt road with thongs on, you'll know that it just kind of flicks everywhere. There's, there's dirt and there's dust and you don't want to walk too close to the person in front. And yet the whole idea of this, this that a, a disciple should be covered in the dust of the rabbi was that the disciple should be so close to the teacher should be so close to the one that they're following that they are figuratively covered in their words and in their teaching, that those things are so apparent on their life and in their life. And that's what the practice of discipleship is. That's what we've been looking at these last handful of weeks is that discipleship is really about drawing so close to God, so close uh, to the Holy Spirit, so close to God's word that his teaching and what he says to us is really covering our lives. And so we're going to look at part one of this this week, which is looking at scripture. And, and I was thinking um, as I was preparing this message a few weeks ago that when Cindy and I were moving last year, so we packed up our house and we moved it. Uh, and we had a, a, a stack of books. So I had lots and lots of books from my childhood. I had lots from uh, uni. I had lots from uh, just things that we'd collected over the years. The, the only good thing about all the bookshop uh, shops closing about what was about 10 years ago was that they all had these massive sales. And I just went in and bought everything that was $2. And so we had so many books in crates, um, ones that I had not looked at in 20 years. And so I went through it and I threw heaps out. We just, just turfed whole crates of books. But in one of those crates, I pulled out this. Now, some of you are probably looking at that and wondering what it is because you haven't seen a paper Bible in quite some time. This is a paper Bible. You can still get them. And this 
I have kept for a long time. You'll see that it's uh, quite worn out. It's actually got Simon Wagg written in the front in my mother's uh, handwriting. So you'll know that that's, it was before, obviously, I could write on it myself. It's been taped a handful of times. It's a little worse for wear, but it's actually something that was uh, really special to me that I was like, we are not throwing this out. Now, I've got new Bibles since then. I remember buying one as a teenager, and, and that's the one I still use today. But there was something significant about a physical Bible. I really love a physical Bible, and I liked this one because every handful of pages, it had a picture. Um, and I remember as a, uh, a child, you know, there's the birth of Jesus happening there in, in color. It was really special. In the back, you might know the maps. So there's maps there. I mean, I think if I went to... Um, Israel now, I'd probably use a GPS and not those maps, but still handy to have. Um, but there is something significant about a paper Bible. You see, we all use, U, uh, lots of you probably use the version Bible app, which is awesome. I've got that on my phone. You might use other things, but there is something significant about God's word not being interrupted by Instagram notifications or uh, Snapchat streaks or whatever it is that you're into. There is something significant about getting into God's word. And I remember when I first started preaching, um, I think I first started kind of sharing youth stuff when I was about 15. And I used to write in my notes, give people time to find the reference. Because I had this, this great um, uh, habit of saying, you know, we're going to turn to Genesis 1-1 and then launching straight in uh, while people were still rummaging in their Bibles and trying to find it. Uh, now I don't have to do that because you've probably all found them before I've even got them up on the screen. Uh, but there is something really significant about God's Word. And I'd say to you this morning, regardless of how you access it, whether it is a paper Bible, whether that's your thing, whether it is on your phone, uh, whether it is on your computer or some other way, a Kindle perhaps, there is something incredible about God's Word. You know, we know that. Those of us who are in church, those of us who uh, have been Christians for a while, know that God's Word is important in our lives. And yet a study from a few years ago found that only two in ten Christians read their Bible regularly, only two in 10, which means that eight out of every 10 are not. And so maybe they're reading it intermittently. Maybe it's when something happens in their life. Maybe it's when they hear something interesting. Maybe it's when they're in church. Now, all of those things are good, but there is nothing as good as regularly being in God's word. Paul says this in Romans 10, 17, and if this is reason enough for you, it should be, because he says this, he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I'd say to you, regardless of how you're sitting today, whether you're flagging in your faith, whether you're not even sure if this thing is for you, whether you are going on for God and, and uh, things are going really, really well, I would say to you that there is nothing more significant you can do for your faith than by getting into God's Word. Now, it sounds simple, and if it was that simple, then that study would have found that 10 out of 10 Christians were regularly reading their Bibles, not 2 out of 10. And so I'd suggest to you a couple of reasons this morning that we have trouble with it. The first one is that sometimes it confuses us. Sometimes it confuses us. 
I don't know if you've ever picked up maybe Ecclesiastes or Ezekiel or Revelation or one of those books that isn't just straight narrative. And you've thought, what on earth is this about? You've looked at a, at a part, a verse, and you haven't understood maybe the historical context or the style of writing or whatever it is. And you've thought, what on earth is this about? And you've put it down and thought, I just haven't learned anything from that. Well, we're going to, we'll talk about that in a moment because there is an answer to that. The second thing I think that sometimes challenges us is that sometimes the Bible doesn't make us feel good in the moment. You see, the Bible has a great uh, way. God has a great way of hitting us where we need to be hit uh, with his word and with truth. And sometimes when we pick up um, scripture, that it really drills into our spirits. It really speaks to us. Periodically, I'd say quite often, um, people will come to me after a sermon and say, oh, that is what I needed to hear. That was hard this morning, uh, but that is what I needed to hear. And I'm always mindful that it's not what I've said. It's actually God's word that is doing a work in your life. The third thing is that you won't always agree with it. I wonder if you've read parts of scripture and you've thought, no, no, that can't be right. And I'd say to you that there's a couple of reasons why we do that. While we have a tendency perhaps to either be challenged by it or to um, excuse maybe that it's not relevant to us, is that we are bombarded constantly by all kinds of versions of truth, all kinds of versions of what people say is true to them or true to everyone or true to us. And people will sometimes say to you, oh, I can't believe you're listening to an old book. I can't believe you're listening to uh, something that was written thousands of years ago. I can't believe you think that that's relevant to you. And you see, 1 Corinthians 1.18 tells us that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We shouldn't be surprised that people see God's word or the message of the cross, the gospels, as being foolishness. But because for us, when we see it, is the very power of God at work in our lives. The other reason why I think we can struggle with sometimes what God's word says is that our sinful nature, our flesh, doesn't naturally want to abide or follow or be led by God's word. Galatians 5, 17, and we're going to do lots of jumping around today. It seems apt considering the sermon is on scripture that we should look at quite a few. But Galatians 5.17 says, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. And so God's word and the Holy Spirit in revealing it to us will cause us to have that challenge, will cause us to find it conflicting, to find it difficult and to find it challenging. And maybe there are some other reasons why you find maybe it's busyness, that you find it really hard to make time to get into God's word in the midst of what you've going on. Maybe it's some other reason that there is a challenge for you in, in getting into scripture. But what I'd say to you is that of all the things that we've been looking at in this path guide, in this discipleship pathway, this is the one that will have the most radical impact in your life. This is the one, they're all important, they're all significant, we should be pursuing all of them, but this is the one that will have the most radical impact in your life. And I'm going to race through um, some more points, I'm very mindful of the time this morning, but I'm going to race through some reasons 
why it is so important, why it will transform you if you get into God's Word this year. And the first one, if you're taking notes, the first one is that the Bible or Scripture will help you know God. You see, a lot of people will say, I want to know what God is like. I wish Jesus was walking amongst us so I could listen to him and I could talk to him and I could understand what God is like. Many of us, even in this church, would have very different views on what God is like. We would have very different views on on, um, God based on our own experiences or based on what we believe that he is like. But the place that we can go and see consistently this, this message of who God is and can consistently in our own life encounter the living God is through God's word. You see, even if we go back, and we did a series on this a couple of years ago, but Exodus 34, 6 is, is this first example where we read or where God describes his nature, and it says, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And I'd say to you, even if you didn't read anything else this week, but you just read that, This first moment where God speaks of his nature, where he describes his nature, that will transform your life because it will call out anything within you that sees God in a different light. Some of us see God a little bit like Santa Claus to give us the things that we want. We see God like this vengeful person who's out to get us. And yet what we see here is that he is the God of compassion and mercy, that he is slow to anger, that he is filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Imagine if you spent some time this week repeating that, letting that sink into your spirit. We also see in the Gospels, this story of Jesus. And we see Jesus engaging and meeting with people. And we see through that revealed to us God's very nature. The second point, like I said, we're moving fast. The second point is that the Bible will keep you on the right path. The Bible will keep you on the right path. You see, Scripture is a roadmap for our lives. Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in Scripture, And I don't think this is an accident. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in Scripture, is all about Scripture. It is Scripture testifying how incredible it is for us when we prioritize it in our lives. And you might know this passage, but in, in verse 105 of Psalm 119, I remember memorizing this as a kid in kids' church. It says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Light was a significant thing. Uh, I mean, it's a significant thing now. But back then, when there weren't streetlights and and, um, they would use those as torches, not obviously electrical ones, um, but the idea of light was a significant thing. It was safety. It was protection. It was guidance. It was direction. And the psalmist says, your word, O God, is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. You see, that's what Scripture gives us. You want to know how to follow God? Open up His Word. Open up His Word and it will show you. The third reason why I would implore you to get into Scripture this year is that it will enable you to fight the battles of life. Scripture will enable you to fight the battles of life. Over in Ephesians 6, 10, Paul speaks to the church at Ephesus and he's saying to them, your battle 
is not against flesh. It is not against physical things. Your battle is against the devil and his schemes. He speaks of this uh, spiritual battle that is going on that each of us as Christians are involved in. And he tells, and you pray know this passage, he speaks of the armor of God. And he tells them to put on the belt of truth, the, the breastplate of righteousness, um, the feet fitted with the gospel of peace and so on. And yet there is one thing in that um, armor that he speaks of, the armor of God that he speaks of that is not defensive, but is rather about attack. And that is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It says in verse 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You see, all the other bits are defensive. And this bit about, is about attack because we often, I think, because we live in a physical world and we are absorbed in the physical side of our nature, we don't often think about the spiritual battle. And yet we all face it. In Luke 4, we get this picture of Jesus um, out in the wilderness dealing with this same thing. He's out there being tempted by Satan. And you might know the story, but Satan presents him with three temptations and you might note, and I'd encourage you to go and read it in Luke 4 this week. We don't have time this morning. But Jesus responds to each of these temptations with what? He responds with the word of God. He says, for it is written. For it is written. For it is written. What does Jesus do when he is under attack, when he's being tempted, when Satan is out to get him? What does he do? He uses the word of God to defeat the enemy. And you see, so many Christians become discouraged in their faith because they are under spiritual attack. There are things that are happening. They're feeling oppressed. There are things going on in their life. And they haven't yet understood the power of God's word, of using it to fight the enemy. And so I encourage you to use God's word this year, but to be able to use it, you've got to know it and you've got to be reading it. And number four, God gave us his word to make every part of our life better. God gave us his word to, you, to make every part of our life better. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is God-breathed and he's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What is... Paul starts by saying, he starts by saying that this isn't just a historical document. It's not just a collection of wise sayings. It's not just some good ideas. It is God breathed. It is the very word of God to you and to me. And I wonder if some of us, particularly those of us who have been in church and Christians for a while, have lost sight of the fact that this is God breathed. It is God's very word to you and to me. And Paul gives us some, some wonderful uses of Scripture. It's useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. But you'll notice what he says the end goal of this is. The end goal of God's word is that it will equip us for every good work. You might recall a few weeks ago, we looked at Ephesians 2.10 and we saw that we're saved by grace in order to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us. And now we read here that it is the way 
that we can be equipped to do those good works, to be operating in the fullness of what God has for us, is to be immersed in his word. So the bottom line is simple that if you want God to shape your life, if you want to be operating in the fullness of God, if you want to be able to navigate the challenges of life, you need to get into God's word. You need to get into God's word. And as we wrap up this morning, as we've been doing each week, I want you to uh, have a look. You'll see that the path gives us these steps that we need to take. So if we decide that we're going to really uh, pursue this, this path of discipleship, there are some steps that we need to take. And the first one is to discern, to consider what is God saying to me? What is God saying to me? And I'd encourage you that if you're thinking about Scripture as the area that you want to pursue growth in this year, that you might start by asking yourself, how do I feel about God's Word? Do I love it? Do I think of it as the way that God has revealed Himself to me? You might ask yourself, have I built the patterns of my day around having time in God's Word? Or have the patterns of my day precluded me from having that in my schedule? You might ask yourself, where do I go for meaning and for truth? When things challenge my way of thinking, when I hear things that I'm not sure about, where do I turn? Because we should be turning to God's word. We, we need to ask ourselves, do I invest time in really understanding it? Do I invest time in getting into God's word deeply and not just kind of skimming so that we can tick the boxes and say, oh yeah, I did my chapter for today or whatever it is, but do I invest time in really getting into it? The second step on that journey is learn. And the whole idea of this step of growing in faith and growing in discipleship is that we have to then actually go and learn about the area that we're looking at. And so I'd encourage you to learn about Scripture. And there's a few ways that you can do that. One of the things I would encourage you to do is if you don't have one, go and get a paper Bible in a good translation. So go and get a paper Bible in a translation that, that you can use. And I'm going to race really quickly through it. But I thought as part of this learn, I've got more notes here, but, and I'm happy to chat with you about it later. But I thought as part of this learn adds, the next slide should have fantastic. So when we talk about translations of scripture, that's something that sometimes people get confused about because there are different translations. And sometimes we look at them, we think, well, which one is the right one? And what I'd say to you is that there are lots of really good translations of God's word. Some of them have just been translated differently. And that's where the top ones here, which have the word formal equivalency, which is talking about the process of translation from the original manuscripts. You see uh, teams uh, and globally teams of scholars, um, of linguists, of theologians have gone through the manuscripts and in a formal equivalency, they have um, translated the original word into an English word. So they've gone to the closest English word. Now that works really well because we get a straightforward, um, uh, the most, I guess, probably closest translation that we could probably get from the original manuscripts, of which there are many. But one of the things that it does mean is that it can sound a little bit awkward. It can grammatically uh, require some extra clarification because it's a word-for-word -word translation. 
The second one here is functional, or, or you can uh, sometimes call dy dynamic equivalency. And that takes a slightly different approach because it doesn't do a word-for-word -word translation. It do, does a phrase or idea for idea or a phrase for phrase translation. And what that uh, enables us is we end up often with ones that in modern English are easier to read. Uh, they might lose some of the ancient elements of the text in terms of cultural customs or sometimes figures of speech, things like that but they are still very true to those original manuscripts. The NIV has an asterisk there because it actually is unique and it does both. And so teams of scholars who literally spent decades uh, making this uh, new international version, which was called, it's probably the old international version now, isn't it? Like that was decades ago. But they actually used formal equivalency, so that word-for-word -word translation, but where they couldn't or where it just didn't make sense grammatically, they used a phrase-for-phrase. So it's actually got a combination of both. Then we have, and I promise I am wrapping up now, then we have paraphrases. And what I would say to you is paraphrases are, are interesting and, and, and they're good to read, but they are not really biblical translations. You see, what paraphrases are, and some of you might have heard of the Message Bible or the Passion Bible, what they are is someone's view of what God's Word says. So it's like a commentary. Uh, someone has not gone back to the original manuscript. They've gone to a, another English Bible, so maybe the NIV, and they've translated that into more modern language. So you know the message um, is, is very modern, um, or at least it was, um, but it is somebody's view of what the Bible says, not uh, that a rigorous process from the manuscripts. And so that's why you will find that we might occasionally refer to them to help us unpack something, but that primarily is not what we preach from. Because, like I said, it's not really considered a translation of God's Word. And so I'd encourage you, um, if you need a copy of that or you're looking for a Bible, then I'm happy to chat. We need to avoid those debates of saying there are some people who say, oh, the uh, King James Version is the only version that we should ever use. Well, that's not right. But if that's the version they love, then more power to them. If you are using an NIV or a, a New Living, um, great. It's fantastic. So just get a, a, a translation of the Bible and invest time in it. Use commentaries. Use the Bible Project, which is um, YouTube videos, which help to give an overview of, of um, passages and, and scripture. Um, really study the Bible this year. And then the last one, practice. I would encourage you to really practice. So this is where the theory becomes practical. And what practice says to us is set aside time to read. It's no good going out to Kurong, getting yourself a, a new Bible or whatever, and then putting it on a shelf and never opening it. So if you're going to do that, just use an old one that you can find in the house. Or if you don't have one and you want one, we'll give you one. But actually set aside time to read. Build it into your schedule to get into God's Word. Find a good Bible reading plan. There are so many that you can pick from. Um, the Bible in a year is a great one that will lead you through God's Word. But if you're wondering, where do I start? It's a big book. What do I open? Do I just open and start reading? Pull up a Bible reading plan. And again, if that's something you want some tips on, we're happy to talk to you about it. As you practice, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal God's Word to you. Make that a, a, an essential step. And as you read, Acknowledge and accept the power of the Spirit in, in revealing the truth of God's Word to you. And lastly, commit to studying it. Really commit to 
delving in deep, that when you come up against things that confuse you, that you talk to someone, that you find a good Bible commentary, that you look at other verses that might unpack it for you, that you push in and press in and don't give up easily, but really study God's Word. Because I can promise you this, that if you do it, it will absolutely transform your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your Word. Father, we thank you that it is... um, God breathed, that it is your very word to us. Father, we just pray that today, Lord God, that you would um, be working in our spirits, that you'd stir up within us this hunger and this desire to know you more. And, And in order to do that, to get into your word, Father, we pray for whatever roadblocks we've been facing, that Lord God, that you would pull them away. Lord, that you would um, enable us to have a passion and an enthusiasm and a hunger for your word. And Lord, that as we do, that we would see the way that you are shaping, the way that you are transforming, the way that you are molding us into your likeness, the way that you are challenging our thinking and reframing it, the way that you are enabling us and equipping us to fight our battles, the way that we are being equipped and prepared for every good work that you've prepared. And so Lord, we just pray that this year, Father, would be a year where we get a new hunger for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.